All people matter to God, and therefore, they matter to us. All people deserve to be treated with respect, love, and hospitality, regardless of race, culture, religion, gender, sexual orientation, or socioeconomic status. This is one of the core beliefs of Pablo International, who serves thousands of refugees and immigrants in the United States. We'll see what this looks like when it's put into action on this Action in Ministry. Inspiring you to be the hands. Empowering you to be the feet. Strengthening you to be the heart of Christ for others. Action. Action. Action in Ministry. Hi, I'm Rachel Legute, and this is Action in Ministry. I've been a part of the church for my whole life. It's easy to become comfortable in a church community that looks a lot like us. But when the community around you doesn't look like you, believe like you, or act like you, what does that mean for your church? And how do you reach out with the love of Christ among a diverse community? I want to introduce you to Gary Rauer. He's the Director of Missions and Education at Pablo International and has been engaging communities, particularly Muslim communities, for more than 30 years and ministering cross-culturally. Gary, thanks for joining us. Hey, glad to be here. Glad to represent uh, the dozens of, of missionaries um, from many countries who have served with Pablo and also uh, the volunteers who have an opportunity to serve people from uh, dozens of nationalities. Well, Carrie, you seem to have a very fascinating background. Can you tell us a little bit about where you've been and, and what you've done? Yeah, well, basically, I, I felt a call of God to serve cross-culturally in missions uh, at an early part of my, of my life. So that led me uh, through the Fort Wayne Ser- Seminary, and there I was prepared to be a church planner along with my wife, and we went to Nigeria West Africa, spent six years there, uh, came back earlier than we thought because of illness, and so I heard about uh, Pablo Ministries at that point, and I thought, well, you know, what uh, better way to uh, to serve cross-culturally than to, to reach the most unreached people group in America. Uh, besides uh, being able to serve uh, Muslims, I had an opportunity kind of unique opportunity to minister to American gypsies and also a little bit uh, among the uh, Vietnamese community. So when we say cross-culturally, you've really been in the midst of a lot of different cultural contexts. Yeah, I've, I've been blessed really to you know see the differences, but also to see the, the many similarities in these cultures. Would you tell us a little bit about Pablo and maybe what it is and how it how did it begin? Oh, absolutely. So uh, Pablo is a Lutheran ministry working at a grassroots level with congregations of the LCMS and uh, districts of the LCMS. And so we work with congregations and districts to help them to uh, reach the people around them, people they they know are there, they're just uh, not exactly sure how to uh, how to approach them. So we help congregations and districts to start cross-cultural outreach, and in particular, we help them to reach Muslims with the gospel. A lot of people listening right now might not know um, how extensive the immigrant and refugee situation is in the United States. Would you be able to shed a little bit of light on that for us? Yeah, of course. Um, 
I mean, I myself was privileged to uh, work among Iranians for 10 years. So we lived in Los Angeles at that time, so able to learn the Persian language and a lot of the culture. So, so whether people are technically uh, labeled by the government as refugees, uh, the fact is that, that a lot of people do escape situations that are unbearable. So um, in reality, they come with a great amount of fear. They've gone through a great amount of trauma. So when they arrive here, uh, whichever city or state they land, uh, they're truly starting from scratch and they're truly friendless. So there's a great need just to come alongside them. And that's where they get to meet Pablo. What does what does the name mean, Pablo? People of the book Lutheran Outreach, now uh, now known as Pablo International, because we we did uh, do some church planting in uh, North Pakistan, uh, excuse me, North India and Pakistan. People of the book is a term from the Quran, and in the Quran, the people of the book refers to the Jews and the Christians. So they're so it's an acknowledgement by, by the Quran itself that Christians and Jews had received a revelation from God. So we, so we Christians are the people of the book. And in the United States, are you located centrally, like in just a couple different types of communities, or are you located across the map? So our headquarters is in Metro Detroit, where Pablo began, uh, but we are across the map. We have worked over the years in more than a dozen states, so it could vary from Queens, New York, to Los Angeles, to Cedar Rapids, uh, Rochester, Minnesota, uh, Milwaukee, and, and so on and so forth. Okay, so you're coming here with this wealth of information and experience of working in diverse communities, in cross-cultural contexts, in outreach. Uh, I just want to pick your brain a little bit about some of that. Um, what are some of the keys to connecting with people in diverse communities? You know what? Um, you can have all sorts of different um, strategies and different programs, which Pablo does, and we're very creative in that. But if you boil it all down, it really comes down to hospitality and friendship. And, of course, in all of these cultures, you can't have a friendship without hospitality. So at the most basic level, uh, we're just meeting people one-on-one. We are sharing uh, that friendship and hospitality with them as we come alongside them and uh, basically let them know that they're not alone and that the church doors are open to them. I've heard it said that many refugees don't ever build relationships with the Americans who have already been living in the communities. Do you find this to be true? Um, sadly, that could represent a great number of the immigrants, and uh, the only Americans they deal with would be maybe their employers or the people in government offices. And uh, the reality is that they are ready, many of them, probably most of them, to know an American personally and to have an American and a Christian friend. Mm. What are some of the specific ways that you're working um, to reach the refugee and immigrant communities and maybe the problems that you face along the way? Kind of a bird's eye view we uh, have from the beginning had English classes for immigrants in recent years, we've established sewing centers. So ladies come in, and they're taught by American uh, women how to 
how to use a sewing machine, how to uh, do basic uh, projects, and then they move on to more complex things, making a dress and so forth. Um, there are also many creative uh, ways to engage people and to uh, and to show them that friendship and hospitality. So, such as a henna party. So, imagine, you know, henna is a pretty big thing, and even Americans know about it today. So, you have a henna party, and you have all these ladies, and you uh, decorate. Um, their their hands, even with Christian symbols, and you're able to talk about it. Or how about an international cooking class where a lady from Syria teaches an American how to make hummus, or an American teaches the lady from Syria how to make uh, pot roast. Uh, hummus cook-offs, uh, there, there are many ways. Pablo also um, has, through the years, really uh, done refugee resettlement. So, I mean, that's a big word, but basically it means... You know, whatever that person needs, whatever that family uh, needs to kind of get their life together. So it could range from teaching them how to drive, how to pass a driver's license exam, to simply uh, getting people a bed. I met a lady in Dearborn a couple years ago. She had already been living here a year with three small children. And by the time I got to know her, I found out she had been living all of that time without even a bed. Mm. So there are amazing ways um, that we can serve people in very practical ways and in the process show them the love of Christ. There's one other uh, project that we have really uh, centered in the gospel. So that is once we get to know people or even uh, if we simply have a name and address, it's the Jesus Film Project. So the Jesus Film now available in 24 different languages on a single disc. And so simply by mailing that uh, Jesus film with the Gospel of John to the home of a Muslim, Hindu, Sikh, or other person, then the church has a chance to, churches have a chance to pray for their neighbors and then even to connect those neighbors back to their, their programs at the church. Wow, that's a a wide variety of offerings that you are giving to the the communities in which you work. And um, I want to go to that henna party. It sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, they are. <laughs> men, men are excluded, by the way. Oh, oh well, okay. We'll see. I I'll, I can go. <laughs> I'll go to the hummus cook-off, too. It sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, what, what kind of problems have you run into? Do you face any kind of difficulties when trying to um, build relationships with the immigrant communities or the communities of refugees? You know, uh, surprisingly, I would say the biggest obstacle is actually um, uh, from the churches themselves in the sense of not uh, coming out to, to be that English teacher, or to be that sewing instructor. You'd be surprised how open uh, Muslims are in particular and refugees in particular, to come to a Christian church. So we'd think they'd be so hesitant, but often the opposite is true. So the setback can be if we bring all these people into the church, but then we don't have enough people who can really kind of get into their lives and uh, walk, you know, walk with them. So, Gary, if you're telling me, like, the established churches are sometimes um, maybe afraid to, to reach out to um, the new people in their community of these diverse backgrounds. And you're also saying that hospitality and friendship are um, of the utmost importance to beginning those relationships. What would you say to um, to a group of people or a church that's not 
doesn't know how to reach out to the community or maybe is a little afraid to? How would you talk to them? You know, so what we would suggest uh, through our experience would be to start out with a cross-cultural workshop. So basically, um, without any commitment, simply uh, having uh, Pablo as a team to come in and just explain uh, to them the nuances of hospitality. What does it look like in another culture? How do you greet people? What are appropriate questions to ask them? Is it appropriate to invite someone over for dinner? And if so, what do you serve them? So that would be a starting point for a church that wants to reach out. And so Pablo offers this this, uh, basic um, workshop uh, to any church that would just like to learn more about what does it mean to to share this love and hospitality. And then second, so a follow-up would be uh, for us to come to that church that community, do a survey of the community so we know who lives there, and then suggest some uh, very practical uh, and doable programs that they can begin to engage their community. Yeah, so there's lots of opportunities to start breaking down those barriers. I love it. Um, Many of the people that you're working with are Muslim, and I've heard a lot of stories of really hard experiences for Muslims who convert to Christianity. On your website, uh, I was watching a video of a testimony testimony of a woman named Julie. And uh, it, was, it was super intense to listen to her tell her story and hear all of the things that she um, experienced from a young age at the age of 16, um, the persecution that she faced uh, because of her, her faith in Christ— was very eye-opening. So after standing up for her faith, she was burned with chemicals. She was nearly raped, denied by hospitals the care that she needed to heal from the chem- from the chemical burns because of threats from other Muslims. Her family's house was set on fire. Her eight-year-old brother was severely beaten. Um, it's it's truly unimaginable and it's un- it's unthinkable. But Julie isn't the only one who has faced. Um, a story like this. And I think sometimes we lose sight of how precious our freedom is here in the United States. Do you find that Christian refugees are seeking help from organizations like Pablo? Oh, absolutely. In fact, we have a key, a key part of our um, staff here is a man from, from Bangladesh, uh, excuse me, from Pakistan. And um, the reason he, uh, he never thought of coming to the U.S., but the reason he's here is because he translated a uh, Christian book from German to Urdu. And simply by virtue of him having translated a Christian book, he was then targeted and threatened, and he had to escape with his whole family. Mm. So absolutely, there are thousands of Christian refugees who uh, have come to this country. They have gone through terrible things and a lot of fear. And so they they do need they need jobs they need furniture for empty apartments they need all sorts of things to uh, get to get back to a normal state of living. When people immigrate to this country and be and they're they're fleeing these situations, do do they have a sense of safety that starts to come over them once they're here, or um, are there still safety risks for the people you work with on on a day to day basis? You know, we uh, we do um, take precautions um, for Muslim converts to Christian faith uh, for that reason. So we obviously don't want to do anything foolish. We don't want to put their information out there on the Internet or anything like that. 
So people, yeah, they do, when they first arrive, they are still kind of looking over their shoulders. They're still in that uh, trauma that they've gone through. They're quite afraid. So it does take them a little while uh, to have the reassurance that they're in a free country and that they're protected. Well, for people like Julie um, and this other gentleman who you mentioned who've come um, to the United States, how has Pablo been able to help them get reestablished in, in, in their, their new life? <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, for Julie, um, she was already established, but we gave her a platform in, in being able to express um, the need to reach out to Muslims, the need to forgive even the people who harmed her. So we gave her a platform by helping her to become a missionary in Houston, Texas, where she lives. For the converts, it's a matter of really, in a sense, trying to be everything for them in the beginning because the needs are so great. I love what you said about Julie, about giving her a platform, this idea that her life has changed through this experience. And then through that change, she's able to share her story and help other people through that process as well. That's really, really beautiful. With this podcast, we want to share great stories of God's love being poured out to the community, um, just like what Pablo is doing. But what we want to see happen is people responding to that inspiration and acting on it. Um, How would you say your life has changed as a result of being a part of a ministry? like this? You know, it's funny. Before I became a Pablo missionary, I, I was working on my PhD, and I was studying all sorts of things about Muslim culture and outreach to Muslims. But when it got right down to it, and when I was called as a missionary at large in Los Angeles, California, I really <clears throat> had the same concerns or the same questions in my mind as any other Christian in America who wonders, how are we going to reach out to Muslims? How are they going to respond? What are they going to say when we walk up to them and ask them their name? So for me, what took place, and very simply, I'll put it this way, it it happened because of a banner that we put out in front of that church in Sherman Oaks, California. The banner cost $90 and simply said, free English classes, and here was a phone number. And that banner broke down all of the barriers. We had people coming into the church by the dozens, from a dozen nationalities, including the Iranian Muslim people that I met. So for me, it became a thing that something as simple as an English class or just letting people know that you cared about them, for me it made Iranian Muslims become real people for me. They were no longer theoretical. They were the real people who had suffered what they did under that regime and were open to Christian faith because of it. And then, if, and then as I met a man uh, here in Metro Detroit, a man who, who had walked 300 miles through the desert to escape uh, what was happening in Desert Storm from Iraq to get to Saudi Arabia and eventually to the U.S., and to now, now to know him as a as a zealous Christian who, who goes out in the streets of Dearborn and just tries to find Muslim people to invite to the church, and to know him as a real individual who's, who, who's got a good sense of humor and just a, a, a great heart. So to me, that's what it does. When, when churches um, offer an English class, they begin to get into different worlds, 
they meet people that from countries they would never have been able to travel to, and they come to see them as real individuals. Carrie, thank you so much for joining us today and telling us about the wonderful work of Pablo International. Um, there's so much information available on the website, and there will be a direct link to that on our website um, for people to go and learn more about the work that you're doing. Thank you. You've inspired me today, and it's been really great to talk with you. Thanks for letting me share, Rachel. And please remember to uh, tell your audiences that any congregation across the U.S. really can do the same thing, starting out maybe with a cross-cultural workshop and then learning how to uh, start an international friendship center where they can they can really minister to these people. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm reminded of a time when Jesus took a journey through Samaria and met a woman at a well. For the Jews, Samaria was not for them. They didn't want to step foot on Samaritan soil. The Samaritans were different, not accepted, let alone befriended by the Jews. Jesus' example sets a much different standard. To him, Samaritans were people deserving of his love, in need of the same love and forgiveness as all people. This is what I see in Pablo. They're seen with eyes like Jesus, eyes filled with compassion, blinded to color or race or creed, seen with eyes filled with hope that Jesus came for all and is able to heal, restore, and redeem all of his creation. Gary and others like him at Pablo have followed Christ, not just in word, but in deed. They're being the hands and feet of Christ to their communities. Now, it's your turn. What's out there for you to do? How will you put action in your ministry? Thanks for joining us. I'm Rachel Legute. Thank you for listening to Action in Ministry. We'd love to hear how you and your church are ministering to your community. To submit ideas for this podcast, visit our website, lhm.org forward slash action and send us an email.